Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. So this is a happy coincidence. Kim Taylor, my guest. Hello, first of all. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here in person. So it's a happy coincidence that we're recording this as the nation celebrates the birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. So you have just published, it just came out two weeks ago, a Mm -hmm. new children's book called A Flag for Juneteenth. Yes. It's a children's book. Right. And before we get into it, I have to make a confession to you. About 10 years ago is when I first learned about Juneteenth. Hmm. when my neighbor proposed that we do something at our kid's school to celebrate mm-hmm. Juneteenth. And I was, what the hell is this thing? Yes. How did I not know? And I was embarrassed about it. Hmm. So when did you find out about Juneteenth? So it was probably around the same time. Okay, um, that makes uh, me feel a lot yes. better. Yes. And, you know, I feel like we should probably be happy about it and sad about it at the same time. At least that was my experience. So... A friend of mine invited me to her church, which is a Unitarian church in Garden City, to celebrate Juneteenth. They were having a big celebration. So I said, yes, I would love to go. And Always um, down for a party. Always down for a party. But I had no idea what Juneteenth was. And I was okay and open to finding out. When I got there, it was just an overload of beauty and Mm. fun and excitement and joy. There were folk singers and there was soul food and vendors selling things that they had just gotten from Africa and talking about recent trips to Africa and just a really beautiful celebration. So, of course, once it was over, I wanted to find out more. I had no idea. I had never heard of Juneteenth. I went home and I Googled and just did a lot of research to figure out Uh, what this celebration was really all about, what this significant part of our history is, and, you know, and that I had never learned about it. And it was not taught to me in school. So I was really kind of upset that, you know, something so important, such an important time in history was not part of my school curriculum. And my family didn't talk about it. So I'm assuming it wasn't part of their curriculum either, Mm. you know. So just a lot of history lost for us. And I decided to express my feelings about this, my emotions, through a story quilt. Mm -hmm. And I taught myself to quilt back in 2008. And So just just so people know, this book is, you have illustrated it with quilts. It's the story of a young girl whose birthday, it happens to fall on Juneteenth, 1865. Correct. This young girl living on a plantation. Yes. With an enslaved family. Yes. In that community in Mm -hmm. Texas. Right. And so back to the quilts, I mean, it's 
gorgeous because, I mean, if you look at it, the level of photography really picks up the texture and the different levels and, you know, just you can almost like you can feel it. Yes. So quilting is relatively new to you, you're saying. So yes, you started I in taught myself. Yes, I taught myself when Barack Obama was elected as president. I, you know, another moment in history where <laughs> I was just so blown away and my emotions were so high that I needed to like express it artistically. Hmm. And I did not really know how to do that. So I knew that I wanted to do some art form and I also wanted to connect with my ancestors. So I did some research on what kind of art I could do. I've always loved material mm. and playing with material, but I've never quilted. So I taught myself and I felt like, you know, this would be some kind of connection to my West African ancestry. Women there are textile artists and story quilting is something that is definitely in our blood because not only did we do it there in Africa, but also African-Americans that were born here into slavery used quilting in many ways to keep their families warm, to give subtle messages through quilting for the Underground Railroad. Hmm. So many significant uses of quiltings and to tell the story of their families. And using so, whatever resources are available, exactly. which clearly weren't very much. So whatever yes. scraps exactly. were they around, you, did you these, create a store, you create a work of art or, yes, or, or some, and art. or something useful. Absolutely. So I taught myself, I just did a lot of research mm. and my first quilt was about Barack Obama. Mm. I'm very proud of that. And it's a gorgeous quilt with a lot of mistakes that probably only I see. But what an amazing beginning. I fell in love instantly. And I, from then on, I started creating quilts. Did you know how to sew before? Or did you have to teach yourself um, how to use a sewing machine? I really machine? had to teach myself. Yeah. When I was very young, my mother had a old Singer sewing machine mm. that was sort of like a table, you know, oh, yes. with like a hidden machine inside. Yeah. And I did teach myself back then. I was probably only eight or nine. And my mother was like, go for it, you know. So I started to play around with sewing. So I had some basics. I understood what a machine did, yeah. but didn't really use it in this way. You know, I just want to ask you a quick question. I went through a very brief but intense sewing phase uh -huh. and I taught myself how to sew this is after I had kids and I was making all kinds of weird things for them <laughs> or whatever and the time was so fast I yes. mean it would I felt like I was maybe a half an hour and it would be like the sun had already set and I started in the morning absolutely like a total, I guess you're so concentrated do you find the same thing yes and I think that's why I fell in love with it because I really get lost I yeah. mean I you know time means nothing when I'm sewing, especially mm. quilting, because I'm so absorbed, so intensely involved in what I'm doing and so connected to the piece that I really do lose all track of time. Mm. So I know exactly what you mean. It's a wonderful feeling. It is. And sometimes when I create something big, I look at it afterwards and say, did I really do that? Yeah. Because I'm so in the moment that I don't really realize yeah. yeah. So how does this become a book? What happened? So that's a great question because I'm really still floored myself. Yeah. About and this, this is your so first book. My first book. You're not a quote unquote writer. You have a whole other profession separate and apart from yes, this. Yes, absolutely. So when I went to this Juneteenth celebration in 2014, I decided to create a quilt about Juneteenth. Yeah. And it's huge, six feet by about four feet. And really, 
very simple in its design. It's just a, two people holding their baby up to the night sky. Mm. Their other hand, other wrist has broken chain on mm. it. And it's just a very symbolic piece mm. that just talks about really past and future, right? Beautiful piece. And when I was showing this quilt around at festivals and a couple of schools. And I know you've exhibited in municipal buildings, at museums. Yes, yes. But when I was showing this particular quilt, kids really didn't know about Juneteenth. A lot of the adults didn't know about Juneteenth. So I decided to write a little story about it. Hmm. And so that's where it really all began. I wrote this story. It helped kids connect. But fast forward to 2020 when the pandemic hit. I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to tweak my story and then send it out. Well, you had time. Is that why? You I had time, time. Yeah. You know, maybe this I, is a bit of a silver lining of the pandemic. For yes, you. exactly. So I was lucky enough that I could work from home and I work in a school. So my school day is over at like three o'clock and I didn't have to commute home. So that downtime I really used for mm. tweaking this story. And I felt like it was ready to send out in the beginning of July. So I sent it out to a couple of publishing houses, did some research, totally understood that I probably would not get any response for at least six months, but I was totally ready for that. Yeah, And I did send it out to one agent, the top black literary agency in the city. What's it called? It's called Serendipity. Mm. And I felt like, you know what, I will send it out to an agent because sometimes that's an a better path than yes. going straight through a publisher. They have the connections, the credibility. Yes, yep. yes. So, of course, I did not hear back from those few publishers, but Serendipity did respond to me right away, which huh. was great. Were you surprised? I was extremely surprised because yeah. anything you read will tell you that they usually have a 1,000 to 4,000 manuscripts right. waiting to be read by them. And I happened to fall into the right hands and it was very quick. And they saw something in the story that I would have never imagined. And mm. they just wrote to me that we'd really like to talk more about it. We think your story is incredible. So in a few months, they signed me. And wow. yeah, it was great. It That's was really very, exciting. very quick. So then they asked me to illustrate the book with quilts. And I was like, absolutely not. I just really? flat out refused. Really? Because I felt like the story and the time period, the time of enslavement, is really hard for kids to connect to, to understand and to feel anything about. Right. And, I, and you I don't want them to feel like it's very heavy. Yes, and it is. difficult and right. painful. Right. And it's hard to connect with that. And you maybe want to resist it, especially when you're little. Exactly. And this is for very young kids. So I felt like I wanted an artist who could use water paint, watercolors and really paint like beautiful pictures to go with my story. And my agent really kept pushing and saying, you know what, mm. we really feel like we would like you to quilt this. And I was like, okay, well. You got to listen um, to them. They yeah, know what they're talking about. Yeah. And they had, I guess, found a couple of publishing houses that were interested in my book, but they were also interested in me illustrating it with quilts. So they finally said, look, we have a publisher that's interested and we'd like you to, you know, he would like you to also consider wow. illustrating this. So I said, okay. I took a leap of faith. I was terrified. No, that's no glory. 
Oh my goodness, that's right. So as soon as I started the illustrations, I felt like, you know what? I think I can do this and I'm just going to see where it leads. I had no idea that it would come out so beautifully. Mm, it's a lot of pages. It's a lot of work. 26 original quilted wow. illustrations for this book. Wow. And each illustration is, each quilt panel is about 15 by 15, which is small. Yeah. So every little piece of material yes. I use are minuscule <laughs> to build the pictures. So it was just, it took so long, about a year and two months to complete all of the illustrations. Wow. And they did a great job. I mean, the um, photography, I don't, yes. I don't know. It must be. They use a special rolling scanner. Mm. Um, so it's a little different than just taking a picture of the quilt. Mm. And I love that because it picked up all the texture. So something that I find very interesting about your quilts in this book is that there are people. Mm-hmm. But you don't see their facial features. Yes. But yet, like in this one, mm -hmm. I'm going to hold it up to the camera. I don't know if you could see it. But there's so much emotion in the gestures yes. and in the, the just the movement of the, the way the bodies are positioned. Like you, I felt emotional when I looked at these. I would tear mm. up and I, you know, in the last picture with this, it mm. just broke my heart. <laughs> you get so much across in such an interesting way without using facial features. Mm. So I'll tell you a little bit about how that happened. After I finished my Barack Obama quilt, I decided that I wanted people to connect to my quilts. Those, and also I carried that over into this book. It's my artistic signature to not have faces on Why my people. That? I feel like one thing that we lack as a society, many of us, is empathy. We don't connect to each other. We don't understand each other. I feel like that's happening more quickly. It's yes. accelerating. Yes. And I feel like if you can see yourself in the other person, then you can be empathetic yes. and you can connect and you can feel a level of love because it's you. That you is know? so true. And so I really wanted to bring that through in this book. And that's why I said I feel like it was really a good idea for me to quilt this because Kids can feel, and adults, I've been getting such great feedback because people feel my illustrations on an emotional level. They're not just seeing a face of someone. It's so true. I can attest to that. It, it is an emotional experience to read this. I mean, just seeing this one where with her little hands and the yes. needle. And yeah, and you don't always need the facial expression. You can imagine what that might be. And the body. And the body movement. Yes, yes. You can do so much with everything else besides the facial expression. So speaking of having giving people a way to connect, you mm -hmm. tell the story through the eyes of a bright young girl with a little sister. She's excited for her birthday. She's smelling those birthday cookies. Yes, yes. And I mean, I guess this is just a very obvious question. I think I know the answer, but it seems like that's a way, you know, you found that was the best way to get kids just to hook in, to feel like, okay, I can relate to this feeling. Yes. I'm excited about a birthday. Yes. That's universal. I'm excited about yummy sweets. That's universal. Absolutely. And that's, that hooks you. I feel like that was really important to me was to get kids interested. So this story is about Juneteenth and it is a historical, it's you know, definitely a true story about an event in history. And let me just, if people don't yes. know and don't be embarrassed because it's 
relatively new to me too. Yeah. It was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Yes. And the enslaved people in Texas and other parts didn't actually know that this had happened because who was going to tell them? It right. wasn't in the interests of the powers that be to tell them. Absolutely. So then the troops came by, they made this announcement, and everyone's like, okay. Yes, yes. So definitely with kids, I feel like I want them to know about Juneteenth, but I want this book to be a vehicle for them to want to know more. All of the story is not here. These are kindergarteners to second grade. So I'm just really trying to pique their interest. There's a lot in the book that they can question and want to know more about from what is a tea cake, you know, something that, you know, you don't really hear about. Right. And then, you know, all the way, what is the Emancipation Proclamation? Why didn't the plantation owners let these people know? I want them to ask questions. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel connected to that main character, mm-hmm. to my Hulda, mm-hmm. you know, because what's going to happen is when they learn more about, you know, everything that happened after enslavement was done, I want them to connect to the people that that we're going through this. As people, as human as beings. As human beings, right. Hulda, H-U-L-D-A-H. That yes. is a new name to me. Why did you pick it for the so, young girl? I wanted a name for my main character that would be different and unusual and that kids also would not be able to say, oh, I know a Beth, I know a Susie. You know, I want them to not know who this person is. They, they want to know more about her. And what I did was I started to... I kind of wanted to understand for my own self what I wanted this main character to represent beyond just this little girl who this is happening to. I wanted sort of a prophetess, someone Mm. who is, you know, going through something, can attest to what's happening at the moment, but also foretell of a future free of enslavement. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of Googled prophetess, you know, biblical names and a picture of a beautiful black woman showed up on my phone screen and her name was Hulda. Hmm. And you don't often see that related to biblical times. You don't usually see black faces. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? This is the name that I think I want to try. Something she was very in the new. Bible? Yes. Huh. She was a prophetess of God. Wow. So I found this very fascinating. So being new to the whole publishing game, you're almost like the pretty woman of publishing, like all of a sudden you're discovered. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Did you get pressure to change the book? Did they have an idea, well, this will sell better if you do X, Y, and Z? Yes. I think that they, first of all, both my agent and the publishing house, which is Holiday House Books, Neil Porter is the imprint of Holiday House Books. And that's based in New York? Based in New York. And they are also, I think, under the umbrella of Penguin Random House. So, yeah. So they were very, very, very open to me really fully expressing myself in this book. I have to say, I know that not everyone has the kind of experience I had. So they did question about why my characters wouldn't have faces, thought that I should probably think about it, but then understood when I explained that why I wanted my characters to be faceless. And I think once they saw my illustrations, they got it. Yeah. They understood. When you see it, you yes, it. they really did understand. My agent was, you know, really, really helpful, gave ideas about how to maybe tweak the book or edit the book. But 
I felt like I really wanted the editing to be on my end. I wanted to edit it down. There were too many words. They did guide me and let me know that, you know, children's books are not 1,600 words. They're more like 800. Yeah. So they did allow me to do my own, like, kind of— You did uh, your own editing? Yeah, editing really chopped down the story to make it what I felt would be good. Yeah. And— they were really just so supportive and helpful the whole way. They really were. That's great. Yeah, it's, mm. people think, oh, it's you just write a kid's book. It's easy. Just a few sentences on a page. Right. Tell it's simple so story. difficult. But to write concisely, yes. using as few words as possible, is a lot harder than bloviating. Yes. I have to say, I was very, very proud because one of the first talks I had with my publisher, Neil Porter, he asked who edited my book. And mm. I said I did because wow. he saw the first draft, which was very long, and then this second draft. And he said, that is a tight edit. And nice. he's been editing for 40 years. Mm. So right. I felt very, very, very proud of you that. And so this this was published. Pub date, as they say in the business, was yeah. January 3rd. Right. So it's been two weeks. Yeah. And I would imagine libraries and schools would be very interested in this. Are you getting that? I sure am. I am getting calls from everywhere. And it's wonderful. I mean, my book, someone sent me a picture. My book was spotted in a bookstore window in Oakland, California. Love it. So I'm oh. like, wow, how fabulous, you know. But I've already had several interviews, you know, all over the place. I have one in Colorado, you know, a lot of written interviews, which are great. Mm -hmm. And libraries, a lot of local libraries are asking to have me come in and, and speak and do a craft with kids. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's very exciting. I have a publicity manager who is working on my schedule. So I will definitely be posting that mm -hmm. my website once I have all the dates down. Well, just and like you can edit yourself, I think you're doing some good publicity. I know you had five pages recently <laughs> yes. in the Newsday, which is it's stunning, kind of unheard of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thrilled. And Newsday approached me really early on, probably last February, hmm. and said, we know you're doing this book. And so how like long did this whole process take? About two years. Was so, that frustrating for you? Because I think if I wrote something, I'd want to get it out. Yes, yes. Three years is a it, long time. It is, but it's not in the publishing business. And um, I would be worried, oh, someone else is going to come out with a Juneteenth book before mine. Exactly. And that would I really make me about. mad. I was terrified. Yeah. And there are a lot of Juneteenth books. I'm sure. But I feel like... I understand now why the process takes so long. So you sign with an agent, then they have to look for a publishing house. Then they, you know, then there's that contract and that takes a process. And then, you know, it takes time to do the illustrations for me a year and two months to do all the illustrations. So that took time. Yeah. So it does take time. And I was really, really scared because I, I was like, you know, now we've already had Juneteenth signed as a, a holiday, as of right. 2021. You don't want it to be old news. Right. But the great thing and the wisdom of Neil Porter books is that, you know, you may have a few books come out before yours, but by the time yours gets out, it's fresh and different yeah. and not at the moment with everybody else's. It's kind right. of Right, that all came out and there's sort of already a bit of a critical mass and then yes. you're, you're sailing on top of that. Yes. Especially if you have a beautiful... Right. Product. It's extremely unusual. I don't think there are any other books that have quilted illustrations. So mm. it's just such a wonderful So thing. you have something really interesting. Hulda makes her own quilt. 
She puts a star. It rose from the purple stripe like a sunrise, a star. And then she she catches earlier in the book, she catches a sunbeam in a jar. Mm-hmm. So I sewed in the bright sunbeam so that it could help to guide me wherever I might take it. Yes. So that, of course, makes me wonder if you have a sequel planned for this. And perhaps this could be a series. Yes. Which, just thinking capitalistically, those series often do really well, like Magic Treehouse yes. or whatever. Well, and that's, you know, you could make some bank on that. You definitely have everything that I'm thinking of. You're saying, I mean, I when I wrote this book, I knew that the last page of this book seemed like the beginning for something else for another book. So you've got a little um, sister waiting in the wings. (laughs) Absolutely. And one thing that I thought about was this is. Hulda turning 10 years old, but as Hulda gets older, I'm hoping that the story can get deeper. Yeah. And, you know, the I mean, she's going to live it into the next century, into exactly. the 1900s and all of that. Yes. Oh, my God. There's so much history you could They're, take us through. Absolutely. And kids will be more ready for it. So as they the get older. The civil rights movement, she could be alive. So much can happen. Exactly. So much can happen. So oh, and um, I, oh, so I'm sorry, interrupted yeah. you. As the as kids, you mean as readers get older? Yes. So they can follow her. Can, They'll be more can, ready for more, you know. Mm. And they can start with this and continue on. So there will be a sequel. I've already started writing it in my mind. But one of the things I'm waiting to see is how kids relate to this book. Yeah. Adults have been. Just, I cannot even believe the reviews I'm getting. They're just incredible, mm. and people are telling me I cried. But I'm like, wow, really? I mean, it's a children's book. And i that's one thing I never expected yeah. to hear from no, an adult. No, it, it, uh, one does tear up, I, yeah. I will tell you. It's um, true. Somebody wrote to me when she put that sunbeam in, in the jar, I oh, cried. I know. I was like, wow. But there's so much symbolism in this book. That whole sun thing is her facing this huge, I mean, in the book, you can see the sun is so big compared mm. to her. And she's facing this future that's huge. Mm. And she's grabbing it. You know, she's being brave and she's taking a piece of that. You know, she's going to be guided by that, by the wisdom and strength of that moment. So, wow. Do you know what I love about when, as you're just talking, I think in our culture right now, there is a lot of negativity, especially for kids when it comes to history. Yes. And you're taking something really difficult and painful and horrible. Yeah. But I don't want to sound trite when I say this, but giving people a reason to hope. And a reason to draw, like something to draw from from the past that is actually empowering, yes. not disempowering. Right, exactly. I felt it was absolutely important to show the resilience and beauty of this people, of my people, even in the face of such horrific circumstances yeah. where, you know, enslaving human beings yeah. was a legal institution. Yeah, it was logical to people. Yes, and I feel like you know, we have to face that as a society and we need to be able to feel for these people, for my people. It's very important to to really have a, a feeling in their heart and empathy for what happened and to see how we really persevered throughout history and made it through even just, you know, despite this. So, you know, so I'm really proud. There's lots of symbolism in the book. There's lots to draw from it. You know, I just feel like even uh, connecting with ancestral roots from Africa, there's a word in here that's used from the Andinkra uh, symbols from Ghana. 
a word called fawahodi, which means independence and freedom. Mm. I want kids to ask questions about that. There's so much that they can pull from it. The book is called A Flag for Juneteenth. The author is Kim Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books. Yes. And listeners, if you like what you're hearing on Cut to the Chase... You can get this and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you like it, please subscribe and like it and give us a bunch of stars. And in the meantime, this is a beautiful book. I want to thank Kim for coming into the studio in New York City from our home in Baldwin, where we both live in Baldwin, not in the same home, but in the same (laughs) town. And thank you for sharing such a beautiful part of yourself with the world through this book. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it.